0: Hello, welcome to Ethical Quandaries. I'm Jessica Veldstra. And I'm Denise Thompson. And today we are finishing up our two-part series with mid-toker and if you haven't had a chance go back and listen to the first one because this one will make
1: more sense for sure this is part part. two so if you don't hear part one
0: you're gonna be a little bit more lost but whatever do what you want (laughs) (laughs) you do you but also i talk a little bit about my work and as always these are my opinions and not those of my employer enjoy the show
1: Is there anything else, like, ethically that
0: you've had
1: where you've looked at it and you've been torn on a subject with...
2: Definitely. Consuming cannabis around my kids. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. That is a huge one. I can sit there and drink a beer in front of my kids all day. And that hurts me inside that I'm such a believer in cannabis and the way it can heal people. And I don't believe in alcohol, but I can sit there and drink a beer in front of them. Mm -hmm. And I... I have not consumed in front of any of my kids except recently with my 16-year-old at a concert. I wasn't throwing it off in front of him. It was just part of what was happening there. So I think that came off a little differently, especially with everyone around us consuming. Yeah. It was a good place for my boy to see that it it wasn't a bad thing. There's a lot of people around consuming and people aren't going nuts. It's not reefer madness. It's one of the reasons to consume cannabis is to experience music in a different way, more intensely. It's a beautiful thing at concerts. As many of you can see, you smell that aroma throughout the air. (laughs) I think I just grew up in a time where it was so wrong that it's ingrained in me. I would like my kids to know. They will eventually. My wife doesn't want it in front of them. It'll, It'll happen when it needs to they're growing up in a time when it's legal. They're, mm-hmm. We're driving down streets and they see stores. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I've still not left them in the car and gone into a cannabis shop. Right.
1: It's still, I mean, with with me, it's still so easy to say something like, oh yeah, I went out for drinks last night. Mm-hmm. Or, I'm drinking. And in the culture that Jessica and I grew up in, that's really kind of a a big deal to
0: come out and say, and yet
1: that's so much easier than saying, I you know, I've used cannabis in my life.
0: And I think that also there's a small difference just in the fact if depending on how you're using, it whether it be edibles or smoking with kids, you can get secondhand exposure and secondhand smoke isn't really good for anyone.
1: Well, you don't want, see, to me, is cigarette smoke. I don't like that. Right, I right. Want that the, just around. the
0: secondhand exposure and having them exposed to it versus, like, if you're drinking, as long as you're not so offering it to them.
1: It's also looking at your environment, if, though, yeah. because you can smoke a cigarette on, on your deck and your kids can watch you through the, the window. window. Mm hmm. And they're not being exposed, exposed to, to it. secondhand yeah. smoke. Mm-hmm. But you're, you know, you're, if you're driving in the car and you've got all your windows rolled up, <laughs> that yeah, that's not okay. See, so I definitely I look at like my,
2: I don't like my kids looking at me like I'm a horrible, evil person for smoking. Mm-hmm. And I cigarettes that way really happened with tobacco. We're around friends of mine that smoke cigarettes, and my kids somewhat look down upon them
0: mm-hmm. for that,
2: like they're afraid of them. It's like That's just what's what they do. I wish he would stop, but he, he doesn't. And so...
1: I mean, I remember thinking that of people who smoke cigarettes. And that was when I get into school and I think it was second grade. They start in on the, you know, Mm -hmm. no smoking, no smoking. And I remember my best friend went home and hid her parents' cigarettes. I was visiting relatives and hid, I think it was my great uncle's cigarettes because I was so stressed out that they were going to die. I mean, (laughs) they terrified us as Mm -hmm. kids. And I think that's just continued with cigarette smoke. Mm -hmm. And also, it is kind of a class situation sometimes in Alaska. Mm. Sure. And I feel like cannabis has been looked at like that too. I mm-hmm. think people look at people 100%. who smoke cannabis and say, oh, only stoners, only losers, mm-hmm. only and then the legalization and you find out <laughs> your um, mayor
0: is, <laughs> yeah, you
1: find out there mm-hmm. is a lot. It's out there a lot more than people think. And the people you wouldn't suspect are doing it.
2: No, it's coming out of the green closet. Yeah. Uh, I'm still not out around people I am, but here I am as Midtoker. Mm-hmm. It's been a transformation in what can happen. Past life is dissolving. Don't have responsibilities to those things anymore. I fear what some people that I knew in my old world will think when they find out that I'm a full-on cannabis advocate, supporter, have a show about it. There's going to be people that are be crazed.
1: Well, and I'm kind of jealous. I mean, because we did the podcast and came out with our names first and last. Uh And the first thing I did was I put my social media on lockdown. (laughs) Like, and I, in a way, I kind of want to put it where people can't find me at all. Sometimes I think even just doing an ethical podcast Uh where I'm putting some of my views out, which feels so controversial to me. Uh And yet, To a lot of people, they're not controversial at all. But I mean, we do. We have some Mm -hmm. listeners who have stopped listening because Mm -hmm. we mentioned Jeff Sessions' name in our second Mm -hmm. episode, (laughs) you know, in not a positive light. And so kind of feel like you can still be true to yourself and have some privacy, some anonymity, especially especially when you're putting social
0: media and on the internet, you're putting
1: your feelings out. On the internet, which is worldwide and out <laughs> there for everyone, I think it still can be acceptable
0: without feeling like you're being not true to yourself. Yeah, yeah.
2: It's become something different I, at this point. You know, to come out of the green closet for Mid Toker, people are like, and who cares? Who cares? <laughs> everyone is. You know, it, it's become now Mid Toker is something bigger than what I was. Yeah, he, he affects people. People listen to Mid Toker. I just recently interviewed three of the four mayoral candidates for the Fairbanks North Star Borough. And that couldn't happen in my old life. This new
0: life.
2: I'm interviewing these candidates as mid-toker, and we're talking all candidates. I recently got to go meet them at a forum and introduce myself as mid-toker. Nice. That was a beautiful thing, to go Mm. walk into a place and people really don't know me. Some people know me. Then one of the mayors that I interviewed, I walked up and said, yeah, I'm mid-toker. And, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so he knew. How how long did it take you to figure that out? Two words. <laughs> so he knew. I, I, the voice, I guess, coming through a little differently up here in Alaska. That's been fun it, to be a celebrity and people don't know who I am.
1: You're like the Sia so of the
0: cannabis world. The what? Sia, yeah. the singer.
2: Oh, sorry. <laughs> You're old. I felt it right there. (laughs) You should, you should bump her music with some of her music.
0: (laughs) Oh yeah, that's good. We'll,
1: we'll throw in some Sia. So, like, you talked a little bit about. You said something about reefer madness. And when it became legalized and a lot of the dispensaries were coming into my community, I did worry. I will admit it because we have a park near our house and the dispensary was coming in near the park and it was already a place for people to go and sit and smoke and among other things. Yeah. So. That wasn't the
2: worst thing going on there. it no, definitely it was wasn't. Not. Nope. No,
1: it was not the worst thing going on there, but I was actually a little bit scared that it would increase the traffic because it was so close meaning people would go purchase and then park as close as they could which is away from it which is the park and smoke give me my fix fix. (laughs) (laughs) well and yeah and there's that feeling that it will just increase the we were trying to fix up the park we're trying to get new equipment you know there's all these things and so i went directly to the people who own the dispensary And just wrote to them and I was like, look, this is what we're doing with the park. Do you want to be involved in any meetings or any fixing up of the park? And just felt like that that was the better way to handle it. And it went really well. I felt like it was a positive interaction. I felt like all my questions were answered. I really thought that that was a great way to go about it. I felt like on the news sites and other community pages, it was craziness. It was almost like what you would say would be reefer madness. But like,
2: <laughs> it's, a, it's a huge change for some people when it's not a part of your culture. Well, imagine if uh, prostitution became legal in Alaska. Uh, oh, I would not even imagine it would be the same thing. Mm-hmm. And I would, my liberty, freedom, soul, would let go of that. I am not pro prostitution, but I am pro liberty and pro freedom. And I would let people, consenting adults, do what they feel is necessary and just and be a regulated market.
1: Imagine even, say heroin. Say heroin becomes legal. How far do we go mm-hmm. with liberty? People yeah. are
2: always going to balk at change. It has to be slow, though, right? I, I think it has to be slow for any social reform to happen. It
1: well, I happen quick. And I think it takes, it takes dispensaries opening up. Even me, who had nothing against it. Mm-hmm. When a dispensary opened up in my neighborhood, I was like, what am I going to do with this? <laughs> Just now having it open for the last couple of years and seeing that nothing it, is... It
2: actually hasn't changed. Nothing that, has changed no.
1: at all. Uh-oh. How about that
2: park? Do you guys... We're facing a lot of trash. was one of the things I was oh. thinking about. An ethical issue. Is there cannabis, like retail trash, in that park now?
1: Oh, no. You know what we have is needles. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Not for, obviously from yeah,
1: no. And the no, needles no, is
0: I me. Mean, I need a needle exchange program, but that's a different podcast. podcast. <laughs> no, we don't have any. I don't. We have mm-hmm. absolutely no increase seen, in trash. I haven't seen that at all. Really,
1: I have seen no increase. Probably less of the uh, people
0: parking out there. People, you know, parking dealing. And, there, there's no. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I've seen less of that. And so in reality, I've seen a positive change in my neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Whether or not other people in the neighborhood would agree mm-hmm. with that,
0: I personally feel like it's but, been yeah, a positive Something experience. that we were worried about. Especially because I think I was a little worried about driving under the influence, which is something that comes up... As an ethical thing. As ethical things, like are there areas that are completely unethical when it comes to use? And I think driving under the influence is one, using when pregnant... Or nursing is another because we just don't, right now we need to research that more. But if you don't know, just be on the safe side. Yeah. And and we do know that there are some negative effects, not nearly as much as alcohol, but there are some negative effects of that.
2: And then. Can I speak to that? Uh huh. The the breastfeeding one. Like I said, I've been consuming cannabis for coming on 30 years. Uh The only time I stopped smoking. Well, decided to. It wasn't because I couldn't find it or anything like that. But one of the reasons I stopped, I decided to stop smoking, was when we were trying to conceive. Mm-hmm. My wife, she asked me if I would stop during that time because we just don't know. Right. And there, there's not enough research on it. And the one time you can do the best for your kid, maybe you should. Right, and if there's any chance that it could affect them wrong, there's medicine, right? People need it for lots of reasons, and people use all kinds of medicine during pregnancy that puts the the baby at risk. Right, yeah. and there's there's a trade off, risk versus reward. Mm-hmm. When you have a choice, I don't think it's the right choice, but it's it's not my body, so I'll again err on that side of liberty and let the mother decide, but. Think if we have a chance to give them the best the best soup to grow up in. Mm-hmm. I think it should be the healthiest we can provide.
0: Yeah, yeah. At this point, you, there's just not enough
2: research. There'll if you're there'll be research that comes out and says it's good, there'll, there'll be research come out and says it's good. They'll say it's bad.
1: It, it'll be like eggs and cholesterol.
2: It. Yeah. <laughs> the same with alcohol. Yeah, like, yeah. They'll say there's benefits to it, but the overwhelming risk.
0: Yeah, with alcohol, it's just huge risk with pregnancy. But the other thing that I think would be unethical is is if you don't have a sober caregiver and you are high and can't parent,
2: that would be the other thing. What's your definition of sober?
0: I think not being able to parent.
2: Yeah. How do you decide that? Where's that line? Is it when it happens or do you tell someone that they can't consume around their kids because they can't parent? She has a confused look on her face. (laughs) (laughs) So, so so for. I'm home with my kids. uh I'm home with my three kids and dark stairs watching TV, and I go outside and smoke a joint. Is that something where you would say that's that's unethical because I'm the caregiver during that time?
0: I would have a hard time with it because in an emergency, could you drive? I mean, you can call somebody. So. There's that too, but you you would have a thirteen you could have a thirteen year old watching and they can't
1: drive either. are babysitting
0: and, and yeah, and that's where the line comes in is like what age are your kids? What vulnerability are that your kids? Is it an unsafe situation? Because yeah. like if you're you've got a newborn and you need a you know fast reaction and like everything's high needs versus having a sixteen year old who can drive themselves and you know are less vulnerable. But yeah, that's what we look at is like the vulnerability, the safety, you know. All that. So you look at it just like an alcohol. You can, mm-hmm. y- yep. you would have exactly. a drink. If, if they have a drink, they might not be able to drive, but they can completely Complete parent. parent. Yeah. But, you know, if they have like seven drinks and a newborn and are passed out, that's a safety issue. Does
2: that. And it goes back to what we were saying <laughs> earlier, the benefits versus the, mm-hmm. the risk. Like there could be something happen. Whether, right. Regardless, small. And then can you drive? Can you, can you be active? There's,
1: we well, and I mean, I sh- we should actually probably clarify that you don't really necessarily need to drive you to could be a bi- co- co-
0: to be a safe parent. You don't necessarily need to drive because there are people that are and safe parents don't have cars. Yeah, and you can call uh, uh, emergency, emergency service. service. but you have to be. No, but it
2: applies straight to my situation. Mm-hmm. We're talking about, so it's valid. So yeah, it's it's where
1: you're at in being a capable caregiver Mm -hmm. like can you protect your children can you make the quick decisions can you Mm -hmm. and if you can do all of those things while drinking a beer or i mean because there are parents out there that are taking decision
2: is it that's the ethical quandary
1: it is the ethical quandary
2: to to decide whether they can take care of their kids or not whether it's alcohol taking a nap working too hard anything any decision the parent makes
1: i think it's when safety Mm -hmm. comes into like Basically, if something happens and your kid is unsafe and there's absolutely no one there.
2: and So it's when it happens. Well. Are you talking preemptive?
0: So I can foresee that if I needed to react in this emergency, I'm too, you know, intoxicated to do so. So I'm not going to do that.
1: Yeah, you do have to kind of think about Mm -hmm. the situation that situations
0: that can happen. Yeah. Mm
1: -hmm. But I see what you're saying. You're saying Mm -hmm. who makes the decision whether it's safe or not. And most of the time, I mean, generally, it is going to come down to the state you live in.
0: Mm-hmm. If someone calls on you, you're going to get... And the call will probably happen if it reached a point where something was unsafe. So it has to be mm-hmm. noticeable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Someone has to notice something but that as they as a responsible uns- parent, unsafe. you should be able to think about that a- ahead of time.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, most parents can think about, yeah, can think about that preemptively, like... Mm-hmm.
2: earlier how do we define something that's ethical and when everyone looks at it and goes oh that's bad that's wrong Mm -hmm. so the person trying to drive their kids to school falling over drunk Mm -hmm. that's wrong right and then there's this huge continuum in between there Mm -hmm. between one drink two three yeah
0: yeah
1: oh exactly and you're saying where's the line
2: and everyone decides that yeah consequences are where it comes in for me, if something happens wrong, is there a place for government to be preemptive? And I, I think there is, but I don't like it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, and I think a lot of the times, well, especially right now, our government can't be
0: pre- preemptive, pre-emptive
1: yeah. because there's not enough employees and there's not enough funding to be preemptive. Mm-hmm. So, we're,
0: we're working on emergencies and already it's gone over the threshold of safety and there's been a injury or, you know, a, a situation that rose to a level of an emergency.
1: Yeah. So
2: you're making bad bad things are happening as a result of your decisions right yeah and And then it overflows into other people's lives yeah when does cannabis become a moral dilemma and i i want to speak to steve d'angelo he is one of my favorite cannabis advocates harperside health center northern california one of the first dispensaries ever to open he's been leading the charge on this and he's got these three points and the first one is what effect are you trying to achieve through cannabis you had asked me a question earlier about do people just get high? Is it okay just to get high? Mm-hmm. If, for one, I think yes, it is okay just to get high. But I think that is such a small percentage of the consumers of cannabis that's happening.
1: I agree with you because basically everyone I know who uses uses there's cannabis, a, there's, there's a s- s- medical
0: reason for it. Or, or a, a different reason. Different you, reason. you know, mm-hmm. any
1: sort of reason. I, I rarely know anyone that is above the age of 18 that just does it to just get high
2: if that makes yeah, sense. D'Angelo well, D'Angelo talks about it as being wellness it's it helps you live a more fulfilled life you wake up a sense of play with your kids spark creativity enhance flavors before meals mm. touch of lover smells tastes everything it just intensifies and enhances things and if that's the reason you're consuming cannabis that That number one point, why am I consuming cannabis before this giant crab feast? (laughs) I'm smoking that joint to really enjoy the social atmosphere of it and to grind down in this food and forget everything else except what's in front of me. Two, what benefit are you trying to get from the cannabis? You know, we talked earlier about going and buying cannabis. I didn't know what it was. The effect I'm trying to get is, is a well state of mind, more patience but if I'm going and grabbing a high sativa and driving (laughs) paranoid and running around the house, it's not accomplishing that. No, I do not achieve that benefit. I'm I'm using it incorrectly. And the last thing is, is it the right time and place for it? Mm -hmm. And this goes to many things that you've been talking about with kids. You know, is it the right time to consume cannabis in front of my kids when I'm supposed to be responsible for them? No, Mm -hmm. maybe there's the ethical Mm -hmm. situation. Is it okay, this person sitting next to me on on the trail uh, doesn't want me to smoke cannabis? Is it fair for me to say, hey, then you leave? Uh,
0: mm-hmm.
2: Or should I get up and walk away? There's this fine line of where people thrust their rights on others and their freedoms on others without the thought of, is it affecting someone else's freedom? So the ethical quandary of cannabis is, is it affecting someone poorly? And that can go to anything when we go back to the beginning, mm-hmm. right? Helping or hurting.
1: Yep, right. exactly.
2: And cannabis helps so many people for so many different things. Medical to wellness to recreational. Coming home, forgetting your, your day. You know, cannabis particularly was used, we were talking about earlier, a class thing. In a lower class where factory jobs, farm mm. farm jobs, the immigrants coming in from Mexico, mm-hmm. go home, smoke some mota and forget about being in the fields all day and then the next day go do it again
1: and I mean and and we've actually because we've talked about biblically people will Mm -hmm. come and say well you're not supposed to you know to do something to get away from your life or or forget your day or you know if you need something to help you do that then that's a problem (laughs) blah 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 blah. and actually those people are generally going to be swayed by something Biblical. And there is a verse mm-hmm. that's basically saying the same thing, you yes. know, these down and out people who have these people really who are hard suffering days. suffering
0: and who have like, you know, are ill or who have these poor and have hard, hard lives. That's who should be. That's consuming. who should be consuming forgetful dri- you know, <laughs> forgetful things. <laughs> Not people who... Doesn't,
2: doesn't mean you stay away forever. Mm-hmm. Sometimes no. you need a break. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: exactly. And it actually, we did cover that. And I think it's funny that, <laughs> that that's being brought up with this too, because there is absolutely nothing wrong in my mind with just taking a break.
2: Some people aren't allowed to take breaks. You have to be on all the time. Mm-hmm. And those people would do very well with going outside and smoking a joint. <laughs> <laughs> Take away from yourself.
1: Well, and we didn't really talk too much about our history, but Jessica, like your history with marijuana use.
0: Mm-hmm. Are you a user? No. I've tried it a couple of times, tried it in college, had a really bad experience. Let's stop didn't, right there. Didn't know what I was taking. <laughs> yeah, <perfect. laughs> So many
2: strains. You go out there and someone offers you something, uh-huh. and you're like, "Okay." And, like I prefer an indica. Uh-huh. Where it's going to set me down and slow my brain down a little bit more. If you're not into that, yeah. and you're just sitting on the couch and not being able to think right and losing necessarily control of your thoughts, you're not going to have a good time. Did you have you're a good? Have you just found the right strain, right? That's what
0: But yeah, for me, it was, like, yeah, in college, and then I never did it again until, like, late 20s, tried it one more time, and yeah, I didn't find it to be my my jam.
2: (laughs) No, it it goes back to those ideas. What what, what effect were you seeking? I wasn't seeking any effect. The benefit was probably to alleviate some kind of social peer pressure. (laughs) wasn't the right time to do it maybe you were at a party where there's a lot of social things going on maybe you were in a situation where it's illegal and that makes you even mm-hmm. more paranoid right so you were violating the three Steve d'angelos there you go the all the ethics okay. denise did you want to talk about your <laughs> no i didn't <laughs> she just
0: made me do it
1: no 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 <laughs> very similar experience. Well, actually, I actually have never had a bad experience. I in high school many times, I don't remember how many, not overly, but more or less socially, and I don't really remember it being a positive or a negative or really much happening to the point where I thought possibly I wasn't actually <laughs> doing, doing anything. It right. <laughs> but, yeah, no, just nothing really happened to the point where I was like, oh yeah, I need to do that again.
2: It might take a few times to activate the endocannabinoid system. You know, we've got we've got this system of receptors for cannabis, and maybe it takes a few times to, to like shake it loose or polish it up or dust it off or something. <laughs> so I don't know, the first time me feeling an effect either. I was drinking whiskey at the same time, so it wasn't. I don't remember feeling it either.
1: Well, and, and it was all social situations. And so after I got out of any sort of social situation that that was a part of, I never thought, hey, I should really bring that into this social situation or figure it out. And of course, at that point, it was illegal. And I'm a huge rule follower. <laughs> like, I have a really hard time with things, even if I find them unjust. Like, even if I think the speed limit is stupid on a road. Like, it's 25 and it should be 40, and I know it should be 40. I will go 25, (laughs) and I will complain the entire time. But (laughs) I am a crazy, like, law person that that is against the law, and I...
2: Because you don't want to get in trouble, or because you want to follow the law? Like, you want to follow, like, some higher, higher stand?
1: Both. I'm terrified of getting in trouble. And...
2: The stigma of cannabis... Yes, it have been
1: hurtful. Yes, very very hurtful. And I'm terrified of what people will think of me. I'm terrified <laughs> of having that on my record. I and I also to be honest like to hold myself above people and be like I follow the law. <laughs> like I like I love the fact that I have never gotten a speeding ticket mm-hmm. or any sort of ticket. Period. Like it makes me feel superior huh? to be honest. <laughs> no. So I like to feel yeah, superior. So so there was a point where it was also illegal. So as far as me personally, I was like, oh, I don't really have an issue with this, but it's illegal, so I'm not going to do it. And it was never this question of doing it. it. Becoming legal or being in a state, I mean, Washington mm-hmm. became, it was legalized before Alaska. Going there, I really had no issue with being around it. Because I didn't have that law thing mm-hmm. pressing on my head, it's very much for me that, and I feel like that's how it is now for me. I'm well, not a. a... Traveler,
2: well, I'm just saying, going to different places, do you understand that there's different rules for different places, and you adopt the different rules? I do. That's, that's the cool thing about being a traveler. You you, you solve so many problems in society <laughs> by seeing how other people do things.
1: <laughs> and so now I I wouldn't say that I was a. Heavy use cannabis user, but I do partake Our friends it is not something that we do With around our friends. It, our friend group does not do cannabis. We don't have a lot of cannabis in our life. So when I say I do it probably more than the group of people around me, it's probably not
0: very much. not very much but more so than you know other people use.
1: Yeah, I still <laughs> feel like I, I do live in a social stigma bubble yeah. bubble.
2: Let's talk about how my cannabis use was found out by you guys. <laughs> how
1: I, fa- I, how I found out so that mid... bad
2: being around you guys. yeah, it, Not bad, I felt it was the stigma and then just being, seeing you guys uh, how do I put it? My family didn't want you guys to know it, that it was happening. They felt like maybe they would be looked down upon if their husband was a cannabis consumer. I, I assumed you guys didn't, but Damn, seeing hookahs come out and all the tobacco and stuff, right? <laughs> <laughs> so what, how, how'd how that go? How, when did you guys know that I was a cannabis smoker? I think I found out before you
1: thought I found out or knew. Or sure. I, just, mm-hmm. I just feel like I just always, not always knew. I think I probably, uh, over 10 years. I've known, I've known for over 10 years. I mean, and you know, we've been, f- we've been friends for 20 years now.
0: Yeah.
1: So, yeah, I think I found out and I was like, oh, okay.
0: <laughs> Wasn't. that no. explained some things. It was <laughs> shocking not a shocking
1: or, thing. Yeah. And then I just figured you'd talk about it when you wanted to talk about it with us.
2: And <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean. I wish you would just, whenever you found out. Well, if anyone's listening to this in illegal states and you know one of your friends is consuming and they're hiding it, just let them know. Just, hey, hey, we know you're smoking. <laughs> so, it feels so good to be around people and be accepted. Mm. Yeah. That's been so, uh, I don't even know how to explain that feeling of acceptance. It's just acceptance, whatever that feeling is. Yeah, I,
1: oh, I think I smelled it on you once. Yeah, I can see that. I think, that, <laughs> I think that that was what it was. I didn't see you. I think I smelled it on you. We were camping possibly together. And I think I said something to Patrick and he was like, yeah. Yeah, I knew. And I was like, oh, okay. okay. And that was about the extent of the conversation. <laughs> like, oh, okay.
2: Yeah, let this be a word of advice too for all you cannabis smokers out there that are afraid. <laughs> Not that big of deal. Not that big a deal of deal other the people you're around. And if it is, maybe it's the wrong people to be around.
1: Yeah, it really didn't affect my opinion of you or or anything. But at the same time, I'm sitting here saying, "Oh, that's terrifying for me to say that mm-hmm. I partake in cannabis every once in a while."
2: And still, and it was, it was hard uh, smoking around you recently. I <laughs> the concert it was even. Tough. <laughs> I'm day, just sitting <laughs> so there,
1: still away. No, it. I think I've done it with you once. <laughs> so yeah, yeah that was four years ago so four years ago I I did it with you and so yeah I feel bad that you feel like still a little bit self-conscious about that but yeah I don't it's
2: hard it's hard to break that stigma it's the it's way you felt your whole life there's got to be things that you guys do that are acceptable that you wouldn't want to do like how about eating a whole big giant thing of candy
1: Oh, oh, come like on! <laughs> See that mid brought that up because he knows I eat <laughs> giant things of candy.
2: But, uh, would you be able to do that? Would you be able to walk around like the store with the big thing on your just chomping on
1: No. It? Oh, I totally hide it. No, I would never. It's like if I could attach a feed bag from my neck <laughs> with red hot.
2: Mm. Okay, so next time we're together, I'm bringing you a big bag of Red hog. <laughs> we're going to sit there and eat some candy and I'm going to smoke a joint. <laughs> um, just grind it out.
1: I think that's a plan.
2: It's, yeah. it's helping. It's really bridging really
1: the gap. Yes. Well, is there anything else we wanted to touch on?
2: I think once consumption is a good thing to talk about. Oh, okay. Big thing coming out. We were probably within a month of public comments still coming in. If regardless of how you feel, actually not regardless of how you feel. I hate when people say that. You know, <laughs> how you vote, just make sure you vote. vote, if you to vote. <laughs> so if you're against on-site consumption, do not contact Anco. But if you are for on-site consumption, that's that's wrong too. We need we need the negative to come up with positive public policy. That's what I want. I want Alaska to be a model for the rest of the world. We have a chance to sit down and talk about it and make it right. It's going to happen. It's happening in Colorado, California, just in different modes. There are more hidden clubs and un- under more underground things. We need this to come full out in the open. And uh, let's start with the argument of treat it like alcohol, as much as I hate it. <laughs> if you have a killing substance, that people can go and consume with each other. And the argument is, how are you going to get home? Well, people in bars find ways to get home. We can't set up this idea that people are going to break the law immediately and drive themselves home under the influence of cannabis. There might be designated drivers. There could be cabs. There could be whole business models set up around just campgrounds or hotels that you're not even leaving. We can't set up these boundaries that are going to stop business. Because...
1: Because you're assuming because you're assuming someone is going to break the law automatically. Exactly.
2: exactly. You can't assume that someone's going to break the law and disregard everything positive that can come out of that. Yes, people are going to break the law, but I need to tell you, it's happening now. Nothing is stopping people from smoking, cannabis, and driving from place to place. The same with alcohol. When do we find it? We find it when people crash into other people or when they're not obeying... Traffic walls. Mm -hmm. I haven't seen a lot of cannabis in, I've been paying attention to the police blotter and trying to watch it, and a lot of it's not there. It's just not. not talking about those things. It's it's alcohol. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah.
2: I want a place that I can go and consume cannabis with my friends in a place that is social. I can't bring my friends here to my house and do that. We can go outside, or like we were saying earlier, my kids, and maybe it's not the right
0: place for it. Mm
2: -hmm. A public consumption venue is the right place for it. All the tourists that are coming up here, they're buying cannabis.
1: Oh yeah, where are they doing it?
2: Right, they're breaking the law. We're making lawbreakers out of all of our visitors. We're setting up a situation where they feel paranoid to come and partake of a legal business. It is definitely drawing people to Alaska. Legal cannabis. Is it the only reason? Absolutely not. It is a huge bonus. Hey, we get to see Denali and also stop <laughs> in at Denali recreationals and pick up uh, a joint or some quality flower or concentrates and take a hike through Denali. Yeah. <laughs> we should be positive with this. We need to do it right and be an example and let everyone follow us. That's that's what I want to say about all consumption. And There's regulations set in that it can't smell. People are worried about the smell. There's going to be so many fans and things going on in there. You're not even going to know. I don't even know if you'll be able to get oxygen in this place. It's going to be sucked out. (laughs) It's going to be... It'll be fine. (laughs) There will be people break the law, but arrest them.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's already a law. The law is in place. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So... Yeah, just then enforce it. And the law is already in place for drunk drivers, and people still drive drunk. But so, it actually, with education, has gone down yes.
0: quite substantially. And, and so education is yeah. like
1: a massive thing mm-hmm. also. Basically, just, just drilling it into people's heads that this is unacceptable behavior,
0: is get a designated driver.
2: It's the number one issue with one-side consumption, I feel. People are really concerned about leaving a place after you've consumed I do not think it's an issue very much within the cannabis community. And that stems into me <laughs> talking about unethical situations of me driving around after I consumed cannabis. How long do you wait? When it's sitting in your system for a month, are you not allowed to drive for a month? But there is an active part of THC and an inactive part that resides. Yeah. Testing is coming along mm-hmm. or, and if you uh, go over the line, you're going to be uh, when you break rules. It can be enforced,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and it sounds stereotypical, but most likely a stone driver is going to be going under the speed limit. It makes you question <laughs> all your <laughs> everything constantly. You're not going to be making risks that you normally would maybe under alcohol. You know, it's a different beast, the boat yeah. driving. None of them are fine, I will. I'm not advocating for driving under the influence. But they're different things. And as research comes out to prove it, I hope I can volunteer for that. (laughs) Well. One more thing. Okay. Because one more thing sounds kind of cool. How about 18-year-olds being able to consume cannabis? Oh. Oh.
0: (laughs) That's a good topic. Because we haven't really talked about our stance on alcohol. Well, because, okay, And and yes, we're doing the alcohol comparison. (laughs) But let's just talk about the fact that it's such a weird system that we have in place where at 18, you are an adult and you can sign your own paperwork and enlist in the military. At 19, you can buy cigarettes. At 21, you can buy alcohol. And also at 21, you can purchase marijuana. At 26 you are off your parents insurance and able and, to rent a car and able to rent a car and also like i think you're on your own independently for like fafsa for the student aid so like when are you an adult like it's just bizarre okay so sure my
1: personal stance is and has always been that if you're an adult at 18 you're an adult at 18
0: or and you should be able to do all the things at 18 yes or they should raise the limit of to be I'm an talking. adult thank
1: you very much for having <laughs> me or if they don't, if you're not an adult, as a collective, our mm-hmm. society decides that 18 is not an adult, that it is 21, then, then everything needs to raise to 21,
0: including military enlistment, uh, 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 and including everything.
2: We we never expand freedoms by taking away other freedoms, so we shouldn't take away that you know that 19 for smoking cigarettes and 18 to vote and 18 in military to put them all up just because one can't be there.
1: Oh, no, no, no. I don't. I think that's the stupidest thing ever. But what I'm saying is if they're going to say you you can't make the decision to drink until you're 21, that's ridiculousness. If you can vote and you can go hold a gun for your country and, and potentially kill another human being and be killed, but you can't make the choice to smoke some marijuana, drink a beer, and smoke a cigarette, <laughs> or rent a car, that's insane. So... If you're an adult at 18, you're an adult at 18.
2: Well, let's go to... Rent a car is from a private business. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. That is true. Mm -hmm. And it could even be a private decision that cannabis companies decide they're not going to sell to people under 21, or like you have Fred Meyer saying they're not going to sell...
1: Guns to people Uh, under 21.
2: There you go. So it can be a business decision. That's fine. Mm -hmm. That's
1: true, and I totally agree with free commerce and businesses being able to make their own decisions. So I, I could take that completely out of it, but
2: man. Yes. 18 year olds being able to consume. I, I worked as a blood tender for a little stint of time and it was a beautiful thing seeing someone come in on their 21st birthday to purchase cannabis instead of going to Oak and Keg,
0: to,
2: <sighs> you know, or the Brown Jug to get, get liquor for the first day or go to a bar. I, it brought so much joy to, to my heart that someone was deciding to do that instead of alcohol. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I love alcohol. (laughs) I I, I love beer. Rum makes me turn into a pirate (laughs) and I've done some stupid things on alcohol and I don't feel good in the morning a lot of times. Mm -hmm. So I tend to stay away from it. But I really would love to see 18 year olds be able to purchase cannabis and I don't think that one's going to be really hard.
1: Yeah, that to me is probably how you saw legalization years ago. You know, this I'll be old in my rocking chair if that ever happens. I think also by doing that to 18-year-olds, we're just messing them up. and You're giving them so many mixed messages. You know, be an adult, make these decisions. If you commit a crime, you, you know, you'll be tried as an adult. You've got all of these adult decisions without all of the adult freedoms. I feel like it's very unfair.
2: Agreed. It, it gets down to personal choice, responsibility, and liberty.
1: <sighs> yeah. Well, have yeah. we judged the heck out of that?
2: Yeah, that was easy. I, <laughs> I love that you guys would be willing to expand that. I think once, we, once we separate alcohol from cannabis in our minds and the way it's regulated, the way the Alaska control board is set up, We've got cannabis and alcohol being run by the same department. Got to split that apart, make them two separate boards. Right now, alcohol is competing against cannabis and doesn't like how much business it's taking. So uh, once that happens, we might see the age limit change. (laughs) Yeah. But that's got to happen first.
0: So now I'm going to spring something on you, and you don't have to have an answer, but do you have any ethical businesses that you would like to give a shout out to? Oh, well, thank
2: you. I sure do. <laughs> Good, <laughs> cannabis. Good cannabis here in Fairbanks. They distribute all through the state. They are the finest example of community give back that I've seen out of a cannabis company in Alaska. Nice. Nice. Granted, I'm not down in Anchorage. I'm not in any other places. I I see what people post. But they take on a different community project every month. They not only collect funds for that. It's not just in label. You know, They don't just collect funds and then match it and then send it off. They go into that business, whether it be Stone Soup Cafe Mm. or the shelters, and they work. They're in there working. They're donating their time to help our community be a better place. And...
1: Really, that's what it's about.
2: Yeah, they don't have to. They are being good stewards of the cannabis community, of the cannabis industry. They're positive community members. We couldn't say enough about them. They, they are the ones, they're a model to follow as far as community give back. Awesome. So thanks for letting me say that.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, thanks for having an ethical product.
0: <laughs> we, an ethical we've company. Been, we've been springing that on guests.
2: <laughs> no, it's, good. it's good to have good decisions when you're, when you're dealing with the public and... There's a lot of people that, that need cannabis, want cannabis. That's one thing I would like to see change a little bit more for the medical side, help for the people who can't afford it. And that, that gets to make the insurance companies, but we don't have to rely on government, right? <laughs> I keep talking about private. We can, we can develop these things on the private side too. For sure.
0: So, well, thanks, Mid, for, for joining us. We really appreciate your time
2: yes thank you so much for having me and if anyone wants to hear more i've got an almost three year time capsule for <laughs> legal candidates
1: in alaska if
2: anyone is interested 10,000.
1: Woohoo! <laughs> yes i wanted to say that congratulations mid just hit ten thousand listens yeah which we are nowhere near nowhere near <laughs> okay, the
2: congratulations My guys will get there much faster than i did <laughs> yeah, thank you
0: thank you for so all your help too Oh, you're welcome. Well, thank you for joining us here at Ethical Quandaries, a podcast where we have a lot of questions. But no answers. And, and we're, judging we're judging you, you anyway.
2: anyway. Here's Token.
1: Technical support and photography by Tip
0: Kingsley. Consultation by Mid Toker. Production music by Epidemicsound.com. Editing by me, Jessica Veldstrom. If you have an ethical quandary or a comment, you can
1: email us at ethicalquandaries at outlook.com.
0: And check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.
1: Remember, if you enjoy the show, please rate, review, and subscribe.
0: And support our work at patreon.com.